Welcome everyone with your host Mordechai Weinberger and Harv Nissen. We look forward to taking your question and your comments for the emotional health questions. And the number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And I'd like to, till we get a couple of callers, so please call in now, get a number 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. would like to discuss one little topic. I find myself, the Rebbe has given me somehow the flu the last couple of days, and I find it amazing the connection between our mind and body. The tense, let's say, the way things are going, certain difficulties come up that normally I'd be so at ease. Or and now I just find myself more nervous. Why is this happening? Why isn't it happening quicker? Or even a drop overwhelming that I wanted to do something. I just found it so overwhelming and just walking out of the bed was difficult. That this morning I was wondering, would I be able to even do the program tonight? And Baruch Hashem, getting more koyach, getting more strength. But again, I'd like to discuss that old theory that we have, that we need to take care of, of our body, and our body affects our mind. For those of us that don't eat well, for those of us that aren't taking vitamins, for those of us that aren't exercising, for those of us that aren't taking time for our mental health, means just take a day off somewhere, go to for a walk. There are lots of places for those of us that live in Brooklyn, there's just 10 minutes away going to Coney Island to the water. You have Prospect Park. There are so many places right here, right now. We don't have to travel the world to have that peacefulness. But what we do need to do is to create the awareness. That is something that we need to do. And if we do have some physical ailment or weakness or whatever it should be, it's all right. The Rabbi Shalom does send it to us. And let's try to deal with it. Let's try to recognize, is this something bothering us? Is this something that we can do to help it? Okay, that is the concept I'd like, that I wanted to just get out there. Now let's start with Mrs. H. Mrs. H, you're on the air with Mordechai. And again, the number to call and to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And looking forward to having your question. Me and Rav Nissen would love to take your questions. Okay, Mrs. H, you're on. Yes, hi. I would like to thank you for this um, radio. I feel like you're removing the stigma of going to therapy, which is a great help out there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that is the goal. That is one of the primary goals of this program. Yes. Yeah. Um, my question is I started listening like all the recordings backwards, and I came to one question where somebody asked regarding her child that was in hospital, and then you answered that there's such a thing as secondary trauma, which you as a therapist Most also definitely. go for therapy regarding that. Sure. Okay, my question is now in a different way. Am I allowed to hear, like, all these recordings at once, not to get, like, well, secondary trauma, like where the problems are out there? Well, it's an interesting question. Let's go ahead and recognize. I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you what I'm doing now. I've gotten a request from someone that I know very well, Harvin, this, and it was an interesting question the person asked of me. and told me many times when I hear a question, because I have experience and I go straight to the answer, they would like the listeners they would like me to share some of the thoughts that go through my mind when I hear a question. So let me go ahead and share what I hear your question is saying, or some of the questions that are going through my mind. You're asking if you hear a lot of questions that people have, will that affect you in secondary trauma? Right. Now what goes through my head is why would anyone be affected hearing that all day? Means 
we all have difficulties. We all know that difficult stuff. We're not taking heavy questions here. You're not sitting in the therapist's seat where someone's coming into you. I've got severe anxiety, severe OCD, severe depression. We've got a family issue going on. I'm majorly codependent. My business is falling down. Someone is so sick in my children. And now with Siata the Shmaya, please try to help me. Those that go through the steps get secondary trauma. Now, if I'm a therapist and someone comes in saying, my child was just diagnosed, we had a client that came in and was just diagnosed, you know, they came to us and then they were diagnosed, that therapist and me that were there have, let's say, would can have secondary trauma. We have systems in place. But mm-hmm. someone just hearing the questions of, this, of the radio that we do should not really be having secondary trauma. In fact, we're even requesting that, well, we know that there are children above the age of seven, eight, nine listening to this, and they're okay. So my question to you is, why should you have secondary trauma? All this goes through my mind when you ask that question. No, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like getting secondary trauma. I just feel I want to know if it's healthy for me to listen at once, all the things. Again, you're repeating your question just in different words. Listening mm-hmm. to all of these, why should you have secondary trauma? What are you feeling? So I want to know, this is what goes through my head. What's going through you that so many people listen to it and they're okay and we don't have real big issues, and we're saying it's just for awareness. So what goes through my head is there are some major issues. Let's not take the word major. There are some issues going on in your family. And by listening to these programs, you're getting more and more aware of it, and you might be more and more aware of how trapped you are in your situations, and then you're hearing more and more advice on how you might be making mistakes after mistakes, and that's why the situation is getting worse. And if that's the case, that can be one of the reasons why you might ask that question. Do you see now what, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now actually, that's I, I don't what, have any issues. It's just that... Um, so let me shift it right back. So we've uh, got 10-year-olds listening to these programs, and they're not having these questions. Why would you say you would be asking this question? Um, for the simple reason, because I once read um, also like a book that had like also mental health um, articles, and it said there are, don't read like more than two articles in a day. Okay, good. So, so let's say you know for yourself you shouldn't read more than two articles. So you know what works for you. Why are you asking the question? Where are you not trusting yourself? Because every question that I hear, like things that are like so hard on people. I feel like, like I feel alone. Like, wow, look how much Claudia Sewell is actually going through. It just makes me like think like, wow, this, is, this can actually happen or this can actually happen. Just, like, Good. Now let me take it right back to you again. Now, isn't that interesting? Just to show you another view that when I actually hear every question, I'm saying, wow, Claudia Sewell is breaking out of little blockages, out of stigmas. We're asking the questions. We're getting advice. We're hearing positive messages from people. And that's why it's so important when people just call up and share a positive, how they got helped or how they broke some of the cycles, which I get out of them, and I actually see what amazing shifts are happening through these programs. So what again, I want to shift it back to in my mind, why are you seeing the heaviness, which again would lead me in therapy, I'd be asking you, are there those in your family that suffer from anxiety? Are there those in your family that, that or within yourself that you, that you see many times the negative or the pain? These are thoughts. When a client comes in with an issue that goes through my mind, why is this client having this and others aren't saying that? Now, if we would have several people calling up with that, would tell me either I'm not in touch or this is an issue that's going on. No, I don't. So again, have any let me shift this back to you. Uh-huh. Are you. Are there issues going on in your life where you get overwhelmed by a lot of these stuff? Are there family members that get overwhelmed with these issues? No, Brother Shem, no. I had anxiety, but I'm totally out of it. 
with therapy. Well, okay. Well, then, again, here we'll do this again. And just tell you that the fact that you asked that question means that maybe, Baruch Hashem, you've gotten out of it on a tremendous level, but the fact that you're still worried about it or, cons- or, or concerned about this question might mean that while, Baruch Hashem, you're out of the anxiety, the confidence level to be able to trust yourself, that you're strong, I think that could be now the next level in your growth. It means mm-hmm. I can be exposed to information and still be strong. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what are you hearing from this? That I can still be exposed to I need to I need to try I need to trust myself to be exposed to these kind of things. Harav Nissan, what do you say to this? I, I just take a little bit different approach. I know that uh, Please, a lot of you. us uh, has a, a sensitivity level different, you know, and many people of us has very, very, uh, I, would, I would say, environment sensitivity. As uh, I'll take it uh, not because she has, uh, you know, a kind of uh, anxiety before, but I think that I remember myself when I went, when I went uh, to the university and my friend started learning uh, psychology, and the other friend started biology. And each of them come with a, oh, I have this sickness. I belong to this kind of, because they starting learning and start applying it upon themselves. And yeah. this is very, cool. I think that you, when you learn, uh, the, uh, you, you in the university, that's what happened to many uh, of your colleagues around it, right? Yes. So I, I think that it's it's quite natural, but it's, uh, the balance is to 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 weigh and to trust yourself, to try to ourselves, uh, and to put the boundary between the, the I I would say the, the 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 what you hear about it and what is applied to upon yourself, and this Beautiful. is the difference. Beautiful. I would really, really, really agree with that. That means that. When we all learn different bits of information, when we go to college, they teach us first, when we learn to diagnose, that one of the major things are stop diagnosing yourself and the whole world, because in order to diagnose, you need certain levels, because it's the most easiest thing for us to do, and that is to get stuck in diagnosing ourselves and everyone else. So good. Excellent. I like that approach. So do you like that approach, that when you're hearing things, that just to realize that it's normal in medical school and or in any place where you're learning a pathology, a negative, to start finding yourself there and to realize, no, this is not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also okay. pose this question actually as an awareness for the other listeners. I wanted to hear your, like, what do you say to this according to other listeners, if they should or shouldn't do such a thing? I think everyone's got to do it on their own. I think it depends where they're coming from. We've got mm-hmm. people that are listening program after program, and they feel they're getting healthier and more positive, and they see the changes, and they see the difference in questions. And many times people give me feedback that they listen to the first couple of questions, and then they, you know, the first couple of programs. You know, basically what, what, what we did have, and this is on my phone line, just like you have it on JRoot, dot radio dot com you have archived every show that we've had together with me and Rav Nissen. I also have it on the phone line so people can listen and they could actually download the these radio shows and people listen and they critique me for the positive or for the negative the difference in programs but no one for if anyone found it too much they would trust themselves and stop or take a break so again my yeah. question is back to you what's you know you know to you what what is it that's needed Okay. I guess, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Now we are going to go to the caller, Mrs. C. So you're on there with Mordechai. And yeah, Arvin. hi. 
Hi, and the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question or your comment. Yes, Mrs. C. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for your line. It's creating a ton of awareness. Um, it's interesting that a while ago I came onto, the, onto your line to ask you a question, and I told you that my six-year-old daughter has anxiety, and you asked me which one of her parents have anxiety. And I said none. So you said um, you're not going to answer the question because it can be. So it took me a few months listening to your line to realize that I myself suffer from anxiety and my parents, too, suffer from it. So thank you just for, for the awareness. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, that's my welcome. question. So I suffer from emotional eating. Um, I need to lose a lot of weight. Hello. And I tried all the diets out there. Hello. Um, now everything just worked Hello. for a few weeks. So I Hello. try to do this leave Hi. now. My question is I what want to know mean? what's going to happen with emotional issues um, if I won't be able to turn to food. Okay. So... What's going to happen then? Like Beautiful. Great question. One of the main steps when people use food as a self-soothing technique, as we call it self-medicating, is we need to find a new goal. So when people work on addictions, I actually have a very good friend of mine. We haven't spoken in a while, but unfortunately there was a while that he was a little bit hooked. You know, started with the kiddish clubs and then a little bit more, and then he was drinking every day that he joined the 12 Steps for Alcoholic Anonymous, and it's many, many years now. It's amazing that when we got together, he only makes kiddush on grapes, just will not touch any alcohol. However, he put himself into a hobby, and a new hobby, which is on, on a level of exercise, let it be whatever. I don't want to share which one it is, but we can call it either jogging or bicycling or weightlifting, and it's unbelievable how healthy he is, and that's his new focus, and it's his new motivation. He probably, would, I would say, probably does it 10 to 15 hours a week. Now, on one hand, that's a bit except still a little bit of the, still a little a lot, but for someone that has, for whatever reason, he has that addictive level, we need to put ourselves into a positive mode. So instead of eating, what would you say? What organization can you see yourself volunteering, or what task can you do for your family that you feel you're going to put yourself into that? And while you might be less for your family or less for other stuff, realize it's so much healthier to have a positive goal, and that positive energy will transfer to others as well. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide before you do that what you want to... Well, you started already. You can decide now. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be before. My question is also deeper than that. I'm actually going to therapy now. My question is if I should wait for the therapy to help and then I won't need to sleeve, or if I need to lose a lot of weight um, I'm anyway better, better off that with the sleep. That is a question of what you should do. Every one of my clients know how frustrating it is when I will tell them. You <laughs> can discuss both sides of the option, but you need to make that decision. So what would be the option? What, what would be the benefit of doing the sleeve now besides for doing therapy? The benefit of doing the sleeve is that I lose a lot of weight in a short period of time, which, which even if I lose the weight on, on any diet, it takes so long, so I get so frustrated. Okay, good. And now what's the benefit of, and, and by doing therapy, then why do therapy if you're just going to do the sleeve? Because I also want to be emotionally healthier. Exactly. So if you do the sleeve, you know you'll lose weight quicker, and you know you'll, and if, you'll continue therapy because you will be wanting to be emotionally healthier. Now, what's the, what's the benefit of doing the other way, not doing the sleeve and doing, the, doing therapy? Doing what? Not doing the sleeve and only doing therapy? The right, not doing the sleeve and just doing therapy. The festival is going to take much longer. Yeah. And um, 
And also, it's not only much longer, but I don't know how successful I'm going to be even with a therapy to lose like 100, 100 pounds. I don't know if it's possible without the sleeves, without the sleeves to do um, even when I do therapy. Good. So what's the benefit in doing therapy only without the sleeve? Therapy without the sleeve? Yeah. We want to see both options, and now you'll make a decision. Therapy without the sleeve, I'm going to be emotionally healthier, and then... Um, yes, and then? And then I'm going to have the choice to decide if I still want the sleeve. Great. Now that you've seen both options, which do you think is best for you? And you don't have to make a decision now. I just want you to realize, because so right. many people listen to the radio, and then they think they come to Mordechai Weinberger, mm-hmm. and he'll give them the answer. Mm-hmm. I do not give anyone ever the answer. I will never do that, Lafida Hateva, or any other therapist working with me, because we do not make decisions for anyone. But you think, but you think let's say I do this leave now while I do therapy. So once I, once I am emotionally stronger, I'm not going to have this feeling of, of, that I need to eat. I'm not going to have to... I would like you to recognize that eating, emotions, let's say someone has anxiety, but food is a completely different world. It could be an eating disorder of binge eating. It could be uh, an eating disorder, could be an addiction, could be so much more. So many times we like to make one shalom together. It's not necessarily. Let's say someone says if they gamble, they spend a lot of money. So the minute they'll stop gambling, now they'll have a lot of money? No, I don't know what skills they have. I don't know how much money they'll make. Do you realize mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're making a whole bundle together. We don't know what emotional stuff you're working on if that has to do with food. We don't know what's going on in your environment right now. Do you have a husband, a kid, or a parent that's, that's very stressful and you're busy learning skills that, that might take you two years to get skills? If there's a borderline uh, person in your relationship, they can take a very long time. Mm-hmm. You so you're saying, let's say, if I do this leave now... Um and wait, wait, so I should, I should try to um, find something else that I can, I can focus on instead of eating. Like to hold put on. my I would focus like on. you to now change the words because it's the second time we're doing it or the third time. Can we just change the words? I am wondering. You, <laughs> you see what you think puts the responsibility on me. When you go, I am wondering, it shifts it mm. back to you. Okay? Mm. Great. I like shifting people's issues back onto them. Someone just sent me a message like this, you know, through our and through J. I feel mm-hmm. this for talking about the last one, but from a different side. I feel bad for therapists. They hear all this. And I always wonder how they can sleep at night. So many problems, and I really look up to such people that can handle so much. And I thank them for the message. And the answer is we have tools how to protect ourselves. One of them is when someone says, do you think I shifted back to them as I'm doing now? It's I wonder. We keep it your issue, not mine. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead. I am wondering, continue along those lines. <laughs> now, I'm wondering if, if, what, what, if I do this leave now, um, then I should rather, um, instead of, instead of, instead of um, trying to figure out if, what I'm going to do um, when I, if I'm going to have my emotions and I'm going to want to eat, I should, I should um, now, rather now, like try to come up with something to do. Now, again, don't you think this is a question that's brought up in therapy? How often do you go to therapy? I've had someone recently, a cute story, that told me that they're in therapy at least once a week, sometimes, sometimes twice a month, and once in a while, once a month. We no, I started recently. Started Hold on. We just recently spoke to that person and said, oh, when he told me all these things, he meant that he will start, but he hasn't even gone to one, uh. se- to one session by anyone. 
Mm-hmm. When people say recently started, you're asking questions for someone that you might be fighting this food difficulties for many years. You might be having anxiety in the family for many years. Yeah, and you right. just started one session. You might not have even started. You might be going to therapy and already using the terms of I'm going and all these mm-hmm. things. So it's about you and your therapist discussing it and seeing what's realistic. A friend mm-hmm. of mine told me he recently went to a psychoanalytic um, a place to get evaluated. They told him, look. You're going to be coming to 18 months for therapy. The first six months are going to be twice a week, and then we're going to slow it down. People have a very unhealthy real um, uh, understanding as to what therapy is. Therapy is a slow process. We're fighting thoughts of, of years, of generations in our mind until we realize that something isn't healthy. It can be four sessions. Now, four sessions could be once a week, which means it will take a month just to realize, oh, there is a problem. Or people can sometimes take twice a week, or sometimes some people can do once in two weeks. Then they go, I'm in therapy for two months, and I'm not seeing any results. Well, you're not even seeing what the problem is, because you're so used to a way of thinking. The mm-hmm. number for those what kind of therapy would you um, refer to? Hold on, the to, number um, for people to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your questions and comments. And I would ask you if you could rephrase that question again. You've gone and what do you think? Shift it to you. Um, I'm doing now. Um, I am wondering. Start with I am wondering. What therapy would best benefit me? Um, I'm doing now the subconscious. um Kind of therapy. I, but wonder I wonder why you would be start with that. I would first say you should be starting with the CBT method. Yeah. If you have a if you have an outer issue where you're that heavy, mm-hmm. that you need to sleeve, you need to first learn how to recognize thoughts. You need to learn how to change your behavior, and then you go to the inner work, uh-huh. or you do both at the same time. Again, depend. Uh-huh. You see, you're asking me a question. That depends on the person. I shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, all depending on you. Okay. I think I got my, I got, I was, I'm very clear now just, just from asking. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, what are you getting? Just, um, first of all, I'm going to discuss it with my therapist, and I never did. Yeah. And um, I'm going to try to look into CPT also, and um, I think I am going to go for this. Okay, great. And feel free okay. to Thank you so much. Mind. I really appreciate You're it. You're very welcome. Thanks. And the number to call in is 718 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And I'm wondering, what are your thoughts, Rav Nissen, on this matter? No, this is something that, uh, as as you said, I'm no therapist, and I know it's uh, something that has to take as as self responsibility and taking the an action what she uh, she had in mind, you know, and just don't uh, shovel it under the carpet and try to put it on other people blame, you know, and not doing. Uh, we have a question, a very interesting question. Before we take Mrs. P. It's, yeah. it's a teacher that, uh, you know, she doesn't want to be on air. But she has she she asks a very interesting question. The question is, like, where uh, up to what the teacher has to be involved in the parents if she sees something wrong with the kid and the parents don't get the advice and she approached some kind of professional people, and but the parents don't want to, to accept it or don't do nothing about it. Up to uh, where that the question, I would say, is what you call a gadol biyisrael. That's where the gadolim get involved. That's the, that's the achrayus of of gadolim. And I'll share with you for those of you that know the difficulties that go through in my office. Melsa time. In fact, the only way I ever take a kid under the age of, let's say, fourteen or fifteen, boy or girl, is if the parents are also in therapy. 
And I would say we're about a 50% success rate, or I should say failure rate, that most of the time the parents will take one or two sessions and then drop out and say, I'm really not ready to change. And it's very easy in the first evaluation to identify which one of the parents has the issue. And to really be honest with you, I feel for those teachers. There are many times that there are, you know, a, a parent would send me six kids, but they themselves won't change. And then why would I work on those six kids if being in the environment they will fall back again? And I've spoken to several machanchem where they all said the same thing, that they, when they send par- a, a child to therapy, they call it family therapy because almost always the parents, not always, but many times the parents are needed to get some skills or to whatever's happening. So, again, I understand the pain of the teacher, and I myself go through that pain, and it hurts sometimes when we see lots of potential and success, but because of the parent that is creating that anxiety in the environment, it's hard to change. I and would that's say what that, we need. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, please, what would you say? I, I would trust say that you. Uh, I, this, you know, unfortunately, that's a, it's a big uh, responsibility from the teacher. Maybe, maybe she can just move on this um, boy, a girl, something that uh, uh, create a little bit a warm corner that these kids can be looking uh, up in, in the next, uh, uh, you know, next uh, next in his life, you know, when when he's leaving the school or something. Like this, and we know many stories about it that the teacher changed the life of of a, of. You of know, a thank kids. you, Ravnison. I really appreciate what you just did because you got me out of my matzav and looking at what we could do. So beautiful. So let's focus on that, exactly what you said. And that is that, yes, many times teachers do not have the power to change the parents. I know, I see that clearly. But there is something that is very interesting. Teachers do have the power to create a self-esteem that a person can feel, I can succeed and I am successful. That's the role that parents can do and teachers can do it. But you've got to believe it and you've got to see it. So maybe the goal should be, can be, Instead of noticing and saying, you know, what we can't do, let's focus what we could do. This girl or this boy can be strong. This boy or girl can be, can be confident. This boy or girl can be a leader, can teach, can, can have a lot of friends, can speak. Whatever it is, give them roles. Tell them they are smart. They can succeed. It's yeah. no, no question that our children are unique and each of us, each of them is a uh, talent to his way. You know, just as to discover, it's like a diamond. You have to polish them here and there. And unfortunately, many times we neglect them. Be'ezat Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we believe in, uh, we believe in miracles. <laughs> we are miracles. Yeah. Uh, and I want you to know, everyday teachers and everyday principals see miracles. Yes. Unfortunately, what many times slows us down from parents and from, I should say from a chantchem, and even from therapists, is that we focus sometimes on what we couldn't do instead of focusing on what we are doing. Yes. Uh, uh, Mordechai, uh, one more yeah. thing that uh, we want to discuss, Purim. Purim is coming. Yeah. Know, and one of the questions, uh, as you saw, uh, how all the kids can go and collect money, you know? Yes. And this is... <laughs> A very uh, tough question because we all the institute and organization need money and but again I think that uh, parents has to be more involved with this and I think uh, you know I, I saw I saw a lot of uh, schools Shiva that giving some kind of incentive uh, limousine and all this kind of stuff running to go 
to the kids that be more exi- uh, exciting about collecting uh, it's tough for me because i'm i'm very i'm tearing apart about you know that i know from one side it's it's necessary to collect money the other end i see a lot of things that i don't like i see kids that drinking as they did get wild i think that and i would say the all the gvirim that give the money please don't give any alcohol nothing and if you see kids that behave not just kiss them out and you tell next time if you want to get some money get some donation don't come with this attitude and this kind of alcohol please this is a begging i begging to all of us you know all the people that involved with this don't let the kids drink and don't let them do stupid things yeah so i'd like to share um, i don't remember now the organization i remember last year my shem for next week i'll remember it i'll look it up there's an organization that has started and they're already in several yeshivas in brooklyn and in other areas that is that they have the groom give money to the yeshiva i think it's 250 dollars for a bacher that learns the entire night something along those numbers so there's a gavir saying don't collect learn perm at night for the four hours or five hours and that's the number that they're having or i'm not sure if it's that number i'm pretty sure it's a high number it was, it was above 100 or 200 dollars a bacher that learned, and it's changing, it's waves, and they must have, I think they told me about 150 boys that participated, it's start, but creating the awareness that someone is going out collecting, and those are big numbers, and after that they give a free band where those boys could dance in the yeshiva. So again, the changes, yes. Yeah, we we, we, uh, promote this uh, last year, again, a few organizations, one from Lakewood, one from uh, Brooklyn, that's working and uh, promote this, it's amazing. Yes. And that's the start. Yes. I would also like to share, but to go back to this question, it's a question that every parent needs to first know their child. It means, is your child someone that's responsible? Responsible means if someone's going to put alcohol, will they drink? Responsible means that when they're going to people's houses, will they destroy things? Responsible, will they fall to peer pressure? If they don't want to drink, others will drink. Responsible, who's the driver? I know it sounds embarrassing. I know in every group, group you always have that one mother and father that's really worried and wants to speak to the driver and make sure they drive safe. I know to the kid it sounds geeky. To the kid it sounds embarrassing. But to the parent, it is healthy and it is wise. Better be educated. Better let your kid be embarrassed a little bit. But make sure your kid is safe. And if not, then you don't do it. If not, then you offer to drive. But we'd rather have our kids coming home safely. Unfortunately, every year we hear from Hatzalah how many people from the hospitals, how many people are in IV on serious situations that they have, they're breaking their bones, and lots of other difficulties are happening because it's not done responsibly. So if we can please start recognizing that if you don't feel your child is ready, start figuring out how, speak to the Yeshiva, how to curtail it, how to get your child into that level. Also, if you find your child is going a bit at risk, things like that, and you know they're waiting for the opportunity to go crazy, that's, again, that's not, that's not Kedusha. That's not bringing a, their Hayben Kai to a boss of Adam. That's not seeing that we can go to a level of Adelay Adab and Araham Allah It's the other way around. We're bringing down to Hollis. We're going down to Shiflis. We're going down to that level. So the goal is to, yes, we're allowed to have a shot and to be high, depending on the age, depending on the responsibility. But the way you do it, if there's trauma in the house, where kids are afraid, where it's embarrassing, then we've got to figure out some other system. The Gedolim are saying, this is not Kedusha. 
But now it's our job to, as parents, as each individual, we can make changes. Yes, we can. Okay. Okay, we'll go to Mrs. P. Mrs. P, and then there's Mrs. Mr. M on the line. Hold on, and we're going to get to you right after. Hello, you're on there. Mrs. P, yeah, you're on with me. Yeah, hello. Yes, hello. Okay. Thank you so much for the hotline. I always think that your father must have been a real special person, you know, to have the chos of you inspiring so many. I know it's Lilina Shmasem. Oh, thank I you. Wanted yes, to I want ask you to know it happens to be very true. I find myself many times, like, just echoing his thoughts, and I wonder, like, I find my father so special, and I always always tell people, I, wa- I don't know why the Rabbi Islam has given me this opportunity and this chos. He was someone very special that every opportunity tried to help people, you know, and to create this awareness. I, I literally find myself using his words. My mother's Ozangazant is also the same way. My father's sister that isn't alive, that was in there to throw, was Nifter a couple of years ago, also very similar therapist and, and helping people. Or Prime Kanievsky used to send to her clients all the time, never knew how to take a penny. But the 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 kayach that they help, and I always wonder why the Rabbi Islam has given me this chus for me to be able to reach so many thousands of people. So I look at it as a chus of my father, of my mother, of my aunt, of, and, and just the people that it's, it's really in their chus that Hashem has given me this honor, and I always daven for siyat that it could remain, because I don't... Yeah, and I think he gives it so to many. you. <laughs> what? I think he gives it to you. Yeah, Hashem, yes, I yeah. thank the Rabbi Shalem every day, every day. Every Rosh Hashanah, I always ask for Rabbi Shalem. I know you can take it away at any moment, so please, just one more year. Let's, let's appreciate that you're giving it. So, yes, I want to thank you for that. And I, I do believe it's just my father's neshama, for my aunt's neshama, and my mother's Ozangazon, just because I find myself echoing them. Not, yes. I don't see it as my own stuff. Yes. Okay. So my question is like this. Um, how can you overcome, how can I overcome fear of something, um, a sadness that comes with a certain situation. So I know it's going to be hard to understand because I know you don't want to talk about postpartum stuff. So maybe just yeah. like try, hello? Okay, let's, let's, let's not discuss it in a way of discussing it. There are certain, certain diagnoses that are chemical-based. Chemical-based means it has nothing to do with your mind. Take an example. I started off the program with that I, I, last night. Yesterday I had a fantastic day with my son. I went to a wonderful place, did physical exercise. It was great, Baruch Hashem. And then last night I was up all night, came down with the flu, chills, aching throughout my body. I didn't even think I'd be able to do the program tonight. And I found myself down. I found myself weak. I want to do a question and answer that I do daily, and I just found myself so negative. I read the question. I started feeling depressed and angry with the person. Then I found myself reading a couple of questions and going, what's going on with these people? Don't they see how blind they are just in their question? And I caught myself saying, Mordechai, look at you. You're so tense. You're so negative. What's going on? And I realized my physical body is weak. My brain is affected by the physical body. Now, there are certain, certain diagnoses that are affected by the physical body. By, by, yes, by the physical body. And the way we deal with it is helping the chemicals. So one of those is what you've mentioned, not to go into it or repeat it much, but it just simply means that there's a lot okay, of... Okay, so since I've been listening to your line, I, yeah. I never had anything of the sort. And I, since I've been listening to your line, I realize why I'm so obsessed with it. I had um, my first baby was born on my brother's... Uh, my brother's um, shloshim that was after a fatal accident, and oh. my last baby was born um, 
three weeks before my a mother-in-law that I really respected and was very close with. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that was the truth. Oh, why? <laughs> and she was next to three weeks chef. later. My husband, who's working very, very full-time, was on duty for Shabusim and nights. So that was three weeks before, you know. So, yeah. And I had to go, to, by my first baby, I had to go to my mother because I had to make the house a little bit happier Although my mother really did the right things afterwards, she did you know everything that you would have suggested, and the house really became came back to normal. I think that I associate it with sadness, and I never had it. I never, but I have a very strong fear of it. Well, let's stop a second, and this has nothing to do with the first words that you said. This is now what we call trauma. Let me just explain to you what trauma is. Trauma and anxiety work by associations. That means, let's assume Pastor Shalom, someone was in a car accident, and just before they were in a car accident, someone was smoking a cigar. Now, every time, or many times when they smoke a cigar, it will bring the brain made an association. Oh, I didn't like that smell. No, in the car accident. When they have that, it makes the association. Now, the same thing is, and, and that's what we call trauma. So, and, and the memory of trauma or how anxiety gets built up, many times what we help people when they would have panic attacks, we try to identify what was the moment before that it happened, what was the trigger. So it might have nothing to do with postpartum. It might just have to do with a simple thing of trauma, that after the Rabbi Shalom gives you the schuss of having a baby, something might go wrong. And that's something that we could deal with in therapy to release the association in some way. Right, and you would suggest that even if I have absolute, like I have nothing, I don't have anything of it. I don't, that's you know, right. I'm just apprehensive right. afterwards. It doesn't that's affect right. my life any time. That's Only right. after now, I have a baby, you know, I'm apprehensive. Is something happening to me? Is something happening to me? That makes sense, by the way, especially at that time where the brain has got a lot more chemicals going on that it can create the difficulty, that it can uh-huh. create that association. So well, the way trauma works is intense emotion with a, with a traumatic event, and there's usually some trigger in there that in the future, when we get triggered, it will right away take us back to that intense emotion and to the emotional fear of Hashem that will happen from that trigger. Uh-huh. I wouldn't even use those terms of what it is. I would say this is classic trauma. And uh-huh. now every time you think about it, I need to put myself, I need to go in a car or someone is smoking. Are they smoking? Are we going to go in a car together or we're just going to stand next to each other? No, I don't want to go in a car with someone that smokes right. or a cigar. You right. understand? That's just the association, how the brain works. And the minute you're around someone with a cigar, you start going, are we in the car? Are they in a the car? What car are they driving? Are they a safe driver? Because it brings back the trigger. That's when someone went through trauma, and we, if we don't heal it, we can start avoiding that, trying to get around it. We start thinking about it more. We start questioning ourselves, and it can escalate. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I understand. And also for the um, lady that called before, I don't know if you accept yeah. that I'm comment. Go um, ahead. The lady that called before about the sleeve or, the, or she should, yeah. you know. Can I just add a little comment about that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So I did the band like five years ago, and I was miserable, very, very miserable. I've gotten um, the past almost year, I got off 120 pounds with a 12-step program. Uh, OA, Overeaters Anonymous? Yeah. Uh, something, it's like the Jewish version of it, the TLC. You ever heard of it? Yeah, sure, of course. Okay. So I want to just tell her that 
it's just, in my opinion, of course, the right way to do it. I, I was miserable then, and I feel great now, and I lost approximately the same amount of weight. So. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. I okay. appreciate the awareness. Normally, I don't. I don't usually like when people mention different organizations. However, I do feel that it's a tailor, so yeah. we'll go at ahead. First I was very scared. At first I was very scared to do it. I thought it was like psychiatric type of stuff and whatever. And then I realized, you know what, psychiatric type of uh, blockages probably need psychiatric type of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Ravnison, do you want to say anything about this? No, it's great. It's really great. You know, this, uh, as long as that people, uh, you know, aware and helping other people it's this is the great you know thanks so we'll yeah. go to uh, we we'll go to mr m yes mr m thank you so much thank you very you're much. very welcome thank you for the comments and information hello, hello mr m you're on with mordechai and again for those who would like to ask your question the number is 718-683-5858 718-683-5858 and we've got the availabilities now to take your question or comment Hello? Yes, hello. Am I on the air? Yes, you are. Okay. Um, so many Machachim say that um, teenagers shouldn't drink and get drunk on Purim. Many parents say they, shouldn't, they, they don't want their teenagers to get drunk. Okay. So, so, so is, is it Shaykh that they don't have the Chiv of getting drunk on Purim? Ah, you just asked a Chiv question that we got to ask the Gedolim. And I wonder, from, from what the Gedolim say, they sort of say this, the word Chiv, getting drunk and high, are very different words. We seem to interchange the two. Like people say, I'm sad, and sad can be major depression or could just be in a bit of a sad mood. So when you use the word drunk and what the Gedolim are saying, what drunk means, are, seem to be very different. So for that, I would ask you to speak to your Magachir or to your Rebbe or to your Rosh Hashiva. But one thing is clear, drunk that is happening where people make a fool of themselves and they can be in danger is, according to the Gedolim, saying it's not only is it not a mitzvah, but it's, an, it's a huge Avera. But now mm-hmm. what's the shear? Ask your of. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get confused is I tell my mother she, that the chiv, and they said, no, it's, it's on me, no chiv for you. Like, uh, and I'm like, I don't think I that's what the Rabbanim are saying. I don't think it might get saying. I think you're questioning them after the fourth time, then they would say it's on me. Let no, me it's, I, when people get wasted, I, let, let's play it your game. Let's say the Chiv, as you want to take the I don't want to use the word on you, but Lapikairis wants to take the words, the letter of the words. What happens if someone's completely stone drunk? which happens all the time, that they get to the hospital, that their body can't handle it, they might even die, but they don't get to the share of they still know Haman is evil and Mordechai is a tzaddik. Does that mean they didn't reach the level of drunkness, that their body cannot handle one more ounce of, of alcohol that they can die? Let's, let's play your game your way. Oh, okay, so I would say that is, is just not for them. That what? It's not for them. Just but, it's like the but it's a chiyuv. I want to play your game. Let's play the letter of the law. Let's play it OCD-like. But you have to get there. What do you mean it's not for them? They well, have it's to. Not, you don't have to die to get there. You just have to do your. Come oh, hold on. So when your Magachir told you, you don't have to, and it's on me that not, why don't you get that? No, because it's just, he says it because he wants to like, make me feel like, don't feel important and just... 
Really? Does he do that? Or maybe you don't want to hear what he's saying. Maybe he's telling you straight out. Let me ask you, when the Gedolim speak openly, when you have a Shmuel Kamenetsky, and in the Chesidish world, and in the Litvish world, and in, and in the Sephardi world, they're all saying, don't drink. It's an Avera. It's not a mitzvah. Do you think that doing make you feel good? Do you think the Gedolim just say those strong words? When there are car accidents going on, people jumping in front of the cars, people breaking their bones, people waking up, vomiting, the Hatzalah is, is around the clock, they don't have enough buses for people to the hospital. Do you think the Gedolim are just saying it to make Bacharim feel good? I believe in you, you're good, get drunk, and I just want to, like, you know, don't. The Gedolim actually mean what they say, that we, the Bacharim, or those that still get so stone drunk that can't handle it, that make a chil Hashem is saying, you misinterpreted it. You know, don't we have that throughout Kuala Yisrael, throughout history? That, that the Karayim, they won't, they put the shell rush between the eyes, because that's what it says. And that's why we have G'daylem, the Torah Shabbat Pet, to tell us what it means. No, not, not the Tatfais, talking about the soft part of the child's head. Let's go back to this. When did G'daylem tell you, don't get drunk, stone drunk, that's a Chil Hashem. A little high, different Shiurim, that's okay. Which part do you feel they're trying to make you feel better? Just your ego and change halacha. We lost him, Mordechai, but I want to tell you, what about killing other people by yeah. doing a car accident? What do, make other people a handicap? What about all this craziness of this? What is the responsibility of these guys at all? I like to drink. I, I didn't, it, didn't, it doesn't affect me. What it got, give me a break, cause it's, and I won't tell you that this all the books, all the Gdolim said is, and, and this is the language what it's written over there is This is this is something that is we have to put it on our kids about it. So every kiddush yeah. club, every Shabbat club, every time you know this, we're facing this again and again, and excuses to drink and excuses to to blow other people's mind. This is not acceptable. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry that Someone I, just I, sent <laughs> me a message yet that there was a beautiful ad in the newspaper, full page, uh, one of the Jewish newspapers, saying, treat your children as you treat yourself. <laughs> Would you allow yourself to get that drunk and, then, and, and not look who's driving your car? Or if you go with groups with whoever that's going to pull you down, if you won't allow it to yourself, then don't do it to your children. I like that. Okay. Do we take care of ourselves? And let's take care of our children and not allow their guilt to do that to us. Okay, we'll go to Mrs. P. Yes, Mrs. P, you're on the oath of Nissim. Yes, hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Our pleasure and, uh, and honor. I wanted to say that as, as, whenever I can catch your program, it's really enlightening, so I appreciate that. Thank um, you. My question is about my son, Baruch Hashem, a mother of three amazing children, and my oldest, He's turning 12 soon, Mr. Shem, and he's a diagnosed ADHD since he's about six. He's been on several different medications. He's been through several different yeshivas. We really, we really had all the action that could come along with this. Um, yeah. I recently started taking a parenting course, and in the parenting course, we were taught that a child has to take responsibility for their own actions, and Hashem does not give a person a challenge without also giving them the tools to deal with it. Um, you know, of course, as parents, we have to take care of our children. If there's a, a medical issue, it has to be taken care of, and, you know, you can't neglect your child. But in behavior issues, a child has to be able to learn 
how to learn rights. And misbehavior cannot be excused because of just, you know, supposedly they don't have the skills. Um, I'm just very confused. I was wondering if you might be able to guard me about when I look at my son, where does my obligation in the medical frame of mind you know, end with him, and where does his responsibility for his own actions start? Well, your question is so complicated, and I'll (laughs) share with you why it's that complicated, because let's start with my first question to you. When you took that workshop, did it say parenting workshop specializing for children with ADHD? No, but she does insist that any child... This it can be applied to any child. It doesn't matter. Let's do it again. Did she did that parenting say specifically for ADHD or anyone that has a diagnosis? Yes or no? No. Excellent. So now let me clarify because I also do parenting workshops. I'm probably going to do one after Pesach, and I want to keep it clear that I specifically, when I give sentences like that, I say we are excluding those that have diagnosable issues. Because when someone has a diagnosable issue, what that means is they're purposely have a blind spot. That means imagine a brain has got to be able to turn right and left, but their right steering wheel to turn to the right side is jammed. Now, can you give them the same responsibility or expect of them the same of someone that, has that, that can turn right and left? That if they don't turn right because they chose not to, and now there's responsibility, they will learn from natural consequences. Now, that's, I'm just trying to explain to you why it gets complicated, because to every rule, to every klal, there is the yetzim in a klal. To every rule, there is the exception. Okay. Now, let's take the other side. On the other hand, with ADHD, one of the ways they actually learn is by failing and by mistaking. So we need to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And then we, the parent, need to know when, uh, when is it healthy enough for them to make the mistake? When is, it, <coughs> excuse me, when is it important enough for the teacher to be angry at them? When is it important enough for them to, make a, for them to, to get punished by the teacher or the principal? And when not? And many times it takes a lot of work, you working together with the school. So it gets more complicated. Now let's, let's add in another component. When you have a child with a disorder, <coughs> excuse me, um, many times you need to be in therapy to recognize what demons are you fighting. It means are you going too easy when you feel you should be tougher? Are you going too tough when you feel it should be easier? Are you being too tough because maybe your husband isn't being tough? Are you being too easy because your hu- husband's being too tough? There's a lot going on where, where what the focus is, when there's a diagnosis, again, why I like the parents in therapy. No, for those of you listening now, you can hear the rationale. It's not because we, the therapists, want to make more money. It's because a lot of the doubts that you have are a lot of your doubts. And when you can be confident, then you'll be able to trust yourself. So I know someone that, for whatever reasons, um, that for, for whatever reason I was seeing them, and they thought their child, a young age, has borderline personality disorder, after about four or five sessions of them being confident within themselves, the entire child's behavior has changed without seeing the kid even once. Now, ADHD is very different than what this person had, but I would recommend for you to go one-on-one, not just taking a workshop. If your son has got ADD, I would recommend that you contact that person that does a workshop and ask if you can do one-on-one guidance, Mm -hmm. because ADD needs a specialized system. Would you go to a cardiologist that just gives a workshop over the phone to 50 people that have heart issues? Right. 
So recognize your son has a diagnosis. You need specific guidance for this tailored diagnosis, and taking a general workshop will help you. It will. I'm a big believer in it, but please, let's recognize what workshops do, and let's also recognize what workshops do not do. Workshops mm-hmm. are the beginning to realize what tools you need. They're beginning tools to recognize, oh, I'm weak in this tool, and it might be affecting, or saying, wow, I'm really messed up, and I see I need one-on-one guidance for a lot, for right. a lot of the stuff going on. Right. Just okay. to tell people, just hold on. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 683-5858, and looking forward to still taking your question or your comment. Thank you. Um, so, wait, what are you taking from this response that I'm saying? Because I feel it's a, it, I get this a lot when people do workshops. They expect it like to answer everything. I want to hear what information are you getting? Not necessarily. I have been in therapy on and off for you know, other different things that come up in my life. I'm a big believer in therapy. And my son is also going to therapy, you know, besides for the medication and, and besides for the, the course that I'm taking to try to improve my home. Um, but actually, I, I never thought of going to therapy for myself how to deal with my son. I, it didn't occur yeah, to me. Yeah, and you'll, great, great. And you'll find what I, And my husband is here. very anti-therapy, so I'm not so sure that he would want to go. But that's right. okay. I, even if I go myself, that's, you know, that's fine. That's right. And a large part of the therapy would be what is your instinct telling you to do with your son? Sometimes it will be to be more assertive. Sometimes it will be to let go. But... Either way, it's whatever you will do, you will be confident and calm within yourself. That is the secret that we're looking for. Right, right. That's that little bit of doubt that I sometimes have. And and the kids are brilliant. They have such an amazing radar system. They pick up our doubts, and they know how to ride it. That one night that you're not feeling well, or you're tired, that's the night they don't want to go to sleep. They realize, I'm hungry. You have served a horrible supper. I've got homework to do. They know how to pick up those times like a radar and ride it and push those buttons. Oh, Our listen, what do you say? <laughs> what? Very clear to me. And ADDs are ge- geniuses in that. They can pick it up your one-week moment, and that's when they get energized and start playing and start doing everything. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure. You're welcome. We're going to go to Mrs. R. You're on with Mordechai and Herb Nissen. So we lost Mrs. R. We'll we lost Mrs. Mrs. R. So Mrs. again, P. those of you who like that Mrs. question, P. call in 718-683-5858-718. We'll go to Mrs. P. Mrs. P. Mrs. P. Mrs. P. Hello. And we have four minutes. Yes, hello. Yeah, hi. Um, I have a question. I have an eight-year-old son. Ooh, and I have okay. an just 11 and a half year old. Borderline we'll ages of where we're asking, it might be a parenting question, I'll just say you need a right. parenting question. Okay, if it's a parenting question, then tell me. Um, and he has an extremely, extremely deep, deep, deep level of jealousy at a, his older brother, which is like three and a half years older than him. He's like not in his level at all. But nothing is going to be good enough for him if it's not the same like what his brother has or does or... As right, much as I try to reason with him that he's older than you, and when you. you're going to be his age, you'll have that, I, I you'll do been, that. That's a parenting. First of all, that is a parenting question. It is? That's a parenting skill, how to learn to tell one brother, one child, age-appropriate stuff. That is a parenting skill. Yeah, it's a skill. Uh-huh. But I still need to know but other Even if I do try to reason with him and tell him, they, it see, that's right. you can't to reason, reason with him. Right. That's, you don't reason with children. 
That's not the system. We give them information. Again, this is major parenting information that it's just not simple to do. Yeah, a parenting workshop will help you out with that, Marissa. Okay. Thank you very much. Excellent. Sure. You're welcome. We're going to go to L. Mrs. L, we have three minutes left. You're on the air with Um, Okay. It'll be very short. Um, I just wanted to say that um, my husband is a Hasidic Sharav, and yes, he does drink a little bit in moderation. Whoever comes to the house, he asks everyone, are you driving? And, if, you know, he gives them a little bit. And the people, because he drinks, you know, a little bit with every person, they get showered with brachas and with tirits that they have to sit through. But also, he says, Adeloyada could also be Mekoyim by sleeping. So for all those people that have an excuse to get so drunk that never something happens, um, I know two years ago, Nebuchadnezzar, there was a bacha that Nebuchadnezzar, um, you could also be yeah. Makayim, the mitzvah, by sleeping. Yes. In fact, I didn't want to start going into halachas and to shirim, but they are shirim of just taking one shot, one little bit, and then resting, and, you, and you're there. Yes. And there's also someone just sent an amazing message saying that people are drinking while they're on medication, and you're not allowed to. Realize it's very dangerous. So many times they might drink a little on shops and they say it's okay, but also in Purim they start mixing. And that together with, with medications are a disaster. And if someone's on medication, please call your medical doctor, please call your psychiatrist, find out, make sure, because unfortunately, yeah, I know one or two people that never had a very, very bad reaction of drinking together with medication. Medication is our drugs. They are. They're just legalized drugs in a certain manner but an extremely important awareness. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that information. And, again, we're not talking about not taking a shot or having a glass of wine or even having a little bit more, but we're talking about doing it responsibly at a level where you're healthy, where you're not making hollows, where you're not embarrassing, where where everything is done on a stable, healthy level. Normal. Normal, 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 where it's not a bazillion, where you don't say, this is, this is disgusting, where they're not going to someone's house collecting, and then they vomit all over their floor. Yeah. So, the Chil Hashem, unfortunately, that happens, that, that when you have the Hashirim, that they need to have bouncers in front of their door, is a Chil Hashem, unfortunately, that this is what's needed. It's not a Kiddush Hashem. On the other hand, I am a big believer in having a L'chaim and getting a little high. High is not drunk. High is where you can let go a little. And there is, as one of the Rosh Hashivas told me, that when you have a bachar, have a little bit, you can get the pneumius out. That's beautiful. But a little bit and a lot. And abusive is unfortunately that teenagers have a difficulty understanding the two. Yes, thank you, Mordechai. And we are on the edge. <laughs> thank you. Hatzlocha, Amrit Hashem. May we will be zeichat to have the Gula Shleimah still before next week and have a, a Purim with, a gula, with Mashiach. Amen.